we'll start with question number one. What are your priorities for children's ministry in order of importance? You want to take that first? Man, I, I submit to the local church pastor. <laughs> Let me see here. Am I, am I dialed in here? Yeah, I guess so. Um, well, I think that as far as the, the teaching of the Word is concerned, that you need a kind of a systematic overview, which is, uh, which is uh, solved, I think, through the catechism or through uh, like a Kids for Truth program where you're kind of defining the big grand themes of the Bible. Um, I think that survey is important. I think a lot of, like, what do you do here for Sunday school? Mm. Well, I think, I'm going to piggyback off the system idea. I think what we really need for children's ministries is a scope and sequence to what we're doing. Like, I mean, how many teachers do we have in the room? Other children's and otherwise, just a teacher in mind. All right. when, when you go through it, even let's just use an academic model and then come back to the church. Like yeah. in, in an academic model, you'd say, okay, to get this child from first grade to second and second to third and so on, there, there are milestones they have to meet with math and science and English and stuff, so on, history. And you're trying to move them one, one thing to the next. Well, as a church, we're blessed to be able to have um, primary meeting times. And, you know, Wednesday night is one. We've certainly spoken about that on Kids for Truth. But it's not the only one. We, we also have Sunday school. We also have children's church. And we may, have, may add other special events like a VBS, right, throughout the year or whatever. go to camp, a junior camp. Well, we want to have a scope and sequence to that so that each of those ministries has a particular purpose that the other ministry is not stepping on the toes of. Right? If, if the math teacher in your school is teaching math, then the history teacher shouldn't also be teaching math, lest the only thing that child knows is math. Right? So if we're going to do, for example, Kids for Truth is wonderful at scripture memory. This is, a, this is a classic one I always use for children's ministries. That's a wonderful example. Midweek services have, for eons, been memory work. What does that mean for memory work for growth group hour? Well, for one, they're not allowed to do memory work. Why? Well, that's, the, that's midweek's job, right? That's what they're working on. Now, you have a different purpose for growth group power. What about children's church? Well, likewise, they have a different focus. So what other things can the growth group hour and the children's church hour do to build fully rounded children in that time that meets the scope and sequence for each particular ministry having a specific focus? And if you can ask that question and say the focus of midweek service is, and you fill it in, and you can answer that question with a sentence, then you know you have a good target you're shooting at. If you can't answer my question in the sentence, then you know you have a problem. So if I say, your children's church purpose is, and you have to think about it for a moment, yeah. well, that's a problem. Right? If you say, your, your growth group or your Sunday school hours purpose is, and you have to think about it for a moment, that's a problem. So the chief goal would be to first have a scope and sequence, or as you use the word, sure. systemize. Yeah, I think yeah. <laughs> going, hearkening back to the Tri-City Days, Pastor, because we, we sat down and we thought about this, that we, we came up with three things that we wanted the kids to be exposed to weekly, and we accomplished them in the different uh, programs. So Sunday school was kind of that overview the nar- of the narrative, right? And, and living in the Bible stories, uh, going through the Old Testament, always trying to keep in front of our Sunday school teachers, though, the big unifying theme of Scripture, which is Christ. Um, you know, don't, don't be guilty of moralizing or just hero worship. Make sure your lessons always get back to Jesus. Kids for Truth was more of the systematic theology, the big, you know, what, what do Christians believe and why do they believe it? The golden nuggets of Christianity. And then our junior church, was basically preaching an application. And junior church was a time where we would also be actively recruiting people because I feel like children's ministry is a great opportunity to put your arm around younger Christians in the church and just expose them to the glories and joys of ministry. I was just talking with a brother about when God allows you to see the aha moment in that little boy or that little girl and it's like that's addictive like I want more of that you know because it's like that's fruit that's fruit from my labors I was putting them in the way 
by teaching them the truth, and then they got it. So that was the model we used at Tri-City. And in junior church, we used that as an active discipleship platform for godly teens and college students. And pastor, you know, pastor always told me, Bob, much rather have a racehorse I got to rein in and a mule I got to kick, but I got to rein you in, brother. <laughs> I, can remember, I can remember five meetings like that. But man, sometimes I go to church and uh, you know, we sit in the back. I'd always sit in the back and I'd just be looking at the backs of heads. Because I, I didn't want to recruit for children's ministry like this. You know, I didn't want to be like the, the general... Arminian call of, well, the second grade boys just did in Mrs. Whippleheimer. <laughs> Who will come? <laughs> Who will stand in the gap? <laughs> I, I said, I wanted to be, <laughs> when it came to recruiting for children's ministry, I wanted to be, I did want to be Calvinistic. I wanted to elect them. <laughs> so I would go and I would seek out and and if, you know, there's people in the ministry today, Pastor Herbster, because we uh, put their arm around them when they were 16, 17 years old and taught them how to share the gospel to a small group of boys and girls. So I love using junior church for that. Uh, and, and then just the applicational. Because at some point, you have to apply the preaching and teaching they're getting the rest of the, uh, the, rest of the week. Okay. That's good. I'm on. Okay. <laughs> this, I have question number two and three are somewhat similar. So I'm going to read through both of them. I'm going to abbreviate it some. So if you uh, propose either of these questions, don't be offended. Uh, I'm not trying to cut out information, but it's helpful for them having direction on the answer. I'm concerned that if children are not in at least one main service a week, how will they ever learn to be part of the corporate group of believers in a service? Is there some point where it might be good to train young parents how to train their children to sit in church? So the question, the second question kind of incorporates that as well. Their, their idea is when you start having children sit in the auditorium service, how do you transition elementary kids to youth group and how do you transition youth group ch- children, youth group teens to be plugged into the college ministry, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah. How do you want them transition? So that's a great question, and it really gets to the heart of what your local church is as far as its philosophy. And I I humbly attempted to do that today with Psalm 78 and some of these other passages of Scripture. So there are churches that have, as the sum and substance of their children's ministry philosophy, that it is preparation for ultimate big church. I, I would say, based on the scriptures that I uh, taught out of today, that I don't arrive at that as, a, as the sum and substance of a children's ministry philosophy. I think it would be helpful to have the metaphor of Thanksgiving dinner where you have the adult table, and then you have the kid table. What are they eating at the kid table? Same thing, they're eating at the adult table. Only in smaller bites. Mom comes and cuts it up, right? And so I think the best way to prepare them for big church is by feeding them the same stuff that they're going to get someday in big church. Then they develop a taste for Jesus. And they have an awareness of when they're not getting Jesus. This has recently happened at my Slavic church, and I praise the Lord for it. Because oftentimes in Slavic culture, you'll have guest speakers that come. And then, you know, you've heard the expression, blow in, blow up, blow out, right? We've had fundamentalist preachers that have done that, and Slavic culture is no different. And we recently had a guy that came in, blew up, you know, took a text and had a fit, you know what I mean? Very little Jesus. And I had so many people um, come to me after four or five years of ministry there, after that, and talk about, there was something wrong. We, we're not real, you know, I'm not sure what it was, or some were sure what it was. So I think that the best way to prepare kids for uh, ultimate behavior in big church is first and foremost to make sure they're going to know the taste of what they're supposed to get fed. 
in big church. Um, there's love languages of children. There's ways to communicate to children. So when I'm speaking to a diverse crowd that includes children, I will often try to have two or three little seasonings within the sermon that's just for them. All right? And I speak directly to them. But it's so much easier if I am just with them the whole time. And I'm building a relationship with them. And I'm speaking on their level. And I'm, and I'm communicating things that I know they resonate with. I think one of the ways we do that is through stories. Your personal story, as boring as you may think it is, boy, it's not. There's so many bridges that you can build with that, with boys and girls. I think with kids, you have to think in more bite-sized nuggets. It's difficult, uh, unless I'm at camp, to preach a 45-minute message. Because at camp, I have the luxury of having their, you know, seven kids with one trained counselor. Now that is utopian children's ministry, amen? <laughs> you know, I don't have that with my Slavic kids. Slavic kids, I have 90 kids and one worker if I'm lucky. And he's like, okay, but what about me? Good. All right. Bye. You know. So, you know, he doesn't want to sing deep and wide. <laughs> he's got other, other thoughts. So, um, so there are limitations, right? Um, and I think one of the, and because of that, we have to condescend to where they're at, at their age level, and in this culture. And you're, you're speaking their language and you're speaking their love languages. And I, I'm using things, not as bribery. Like, I, you know, I used candy for a long time and then I had some well-meaning church ladies inform me that I was poisoning their children. So this past year, I've given out polished stones. I've got the box, the box of polished stones, you know. And man, there's amethyst and quartz and all kinds of cool stuff in there. So that's a love language. That's, a, that's, a, that's something children speak. It's like, oh, the rock. Cool. You know, and, and what does that mean? Big Bob is saying, what I'm going to say is so important that I spent money on these goofy rocks that are pretty and shiny because I know it might help you pay attention a little bit longer. And those are like luxuries you don't get in a congregational Service. At least I don't think you do it like that. <laughs> if you do, I'm, I'm here on Sunday. <laughs> I want that's going on YouTube. Um, but I just think there's when you have the kids, you can you can make more progress. You can gain some real traction because you're speaking their language directly. So those are my those are my thoughts. Yeah, and and we have a unique factor here in our ministry, especially with the special needs school that will continue to go. So it would be difficult for me to say it's at this age level or this grade because mm. it may differ um, for certain of our special friends. And so we mm. want to be careful that we don't say, well, here's the, here's the cutoff and then you go into the adult church. Well, that, that, may, that may differ depending on our special friends that we have even down the year. And we need to be a ministry that's cognitive of that. And by declaring a grade, we may not be, be aware of their needs as well. The other thing I'm always marking back is one of the first camps I preached at, and I think I talked to you about it afterwards. Bob, Bob and I have shared Wilds Weeks, I don't know how many times, at junior camp. And normally I feel uh, ill-prepared because uh, he'd take Thursday or something. And I'd be like, I don't know why I didn't give you the rest of the week. But, um, <laughs> the, but when I came back to the first week, I spoke at junior camp. I'd spoken at a camp in a different state. I won't even say the state lest you guess which camp it is. And uh, they had a rustic kind of chapel feel and an older seasoned pastor was uh, wanted to make sure that those young folks they understood the great hymns of the faith so Monday night they passed out hymnals to all the kids and made sure that all the kids in this rustic outdoor chapel knew how to hold hymnals and sing oh great thou art and um, all of these very deep things Uh, and we sang about eight or more before Monday's chapel and they've all traveled in from camp by the time I get up and they introduce me to speak, those poor kids were just falling out of their chairs bored. I'm like, and now I'm supposed to speak to this group? I mean, thanks. You know. And he did that Monday night. He did that Tuesday night. He did that Wednesday night. And finally, I just, 
I kind of had enough. So I said, well, can, let's, can we chat just for a minute before the chapel service? So we sat down. I said, these are eight, nine, ten-year-olds. Many of them were unchurched prior to their arrival here. You're doing me no favors by doing all these deep songs. Is it all right if I just take the song service just for one night? And they, we did, you know, if you've ever been to junior camp at the Wilds, we did have serious songs, but there was like a transitional period and then went into it. And uh, it wasn't until Thursday that we finally reached those kids because we didn't have all of the stuff. And it all comes down to are we, are we behaviorally based or are we building beliefs that inform behaviors? And that, young, that pastor, I think, was well-intentioned, but he just wanted good little boys and girls that knew how to sit still and sing the old hymns and be seen and not heard type of mindset. Well, and, and that's, you're, you're not aiming for conversion then. You're aiming for conformity. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's why I want to do anything within reason and Bible parameters to lift up Jesus. I, I want those kids to go out of there thinking bigger, better, deeper thoughts about Christ. Um, and I think, you know, getting back to the, you know, knowing your audience, right? Like, in order to know your audience, you have to have relationships with them. And this is why I love the local church. I, I, just, I just love it. That's what I want to do. You know, I, I want to be with my church on Sunday. Because those are my relationships. And I'm, I know those kids. And I, I, I spend time with them. And I talk to them. And that also goes to help to know when to graduate. So we do have kind of a, an age where we want kids to move out. But there, some of those kids, they're, they're dialed in. And then there's some of those kids that they come and you know they're coming just to kind of miss the next Upgrade, or they, they don't want to be in big church. Those are the kind of kids you want to go and have a relation, you know, have, you, you know their parents, and you have that discussion with them. Hey, I think Eli's ready. You know, I've recently had conversations like this. Like, I, you know, I think he needs to be with you. I love him. I love having him in there, but you know what? It's time. So I think that's part of the role of just the, the church leadership. Well, and the lessons are just as meaty as the adult lessons. I think sometimes we think that, well, that what's going on in the adult service is more doctrinally verse by verse than what the children are getting. And that cannot be, well, if it is true, that's too bad. I think we've joked before, some people ask, what, what commentaries do you look at to, you, to prepare a children's sermon? And they say, the same ones as I yeah. look at oh, for absolutely. the adult. Like, they're, not, they're not a different yes. one. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, well, boy, boy, and that's a whole other line of discussion. And I was just telling my Slavic church uh, a few Sundays ago when I preached congregationally, I was, I was trying to show them how to find verses um, in the New Testament that, that show that Jesus was the subject of the Old Testament. And I said, now folks, I'm a Bible scholar. I went to Bible college I have a seminary degree. Listen to me. Here's what you do. You go to google.com. <laughs> and then you type in verses that, and then they start to get it, and they're all giggling, you know, they're laughing. But you have such a wealth. I mean, blueletterbible.org. Wow! You could spend 10 lifetimes on that free website studying the commentaries, the interlinears, the reverse interlinears, biblestudytools.com. These are huge assets. Just think of the light that we have contrasted with you know, people during John Tetzel's age. To whom much has been given, much shall be required. So, what is the best way to help saved but apathetic preteens to grow in their desire for Christ? Man, I just, I just want to, I want them to hear it, and that I want them to see it in me. I, I think I even apply this with my own daughter. Like I teach my daughter truth. We talk about truth in the car, but I want to live it. I want her to see me joyful. On Sunday, I want her. To, I want her to see me joyful on Saturday when I said, "Man, we need to go be with 
our beloved Russians and do some Red Dawn Baptist ministry. <laughs> you know, I wanted, I wanted to hear it in my voice. I'm excited about serving the Lord and what He's done for me. And I think a lot of it, a lot of it is caught, not taught. Okay. I had a seventh grade English teacher named Jack Shea. I was a junior higher, first day. Get in. He sits up on his desk. He gets his big brown book. And he begins reading free verse poetry to junior hires. And we just, we're, we're like, why? Like, should we tell the principal? Just, like, we've never been exposed to anything like that, ever. And, but something happened because Jack Shea loved poetry and, and, and authors. And we began to catch that. And I want to share with you the fruit of that is at the end of the semester, I'm out there on the recess with, with three other boys and we're on that piece of playground equipment where there's like four animals. And then there's this big spring-loaded trap there. And so everybody is riding on one of those. Like there's a duck and a tiger and its ears are like handles. Has anybody ever seen this? Yeah. And I'm like, guys, I just, I wrote my final poem. It's called The Last Weave. It's about the final leaf that hangs on. All the leaves fall. And it goes like this. You know, and I'm quoting rhyming poetry to fellow 7th grade junior hires. Brothers and sisters, that is not normal. <laughs> so what, what makes the difference was the teacher. You just you caught it. Like, and I really think the best way is like you send the apathetic kid to camp so they're around a fiery hot counselor that's, that's getting up early and praying and going down by the river and just begging God to do something, you know? And just having them exposed to those kind of people. So, Well, we all have our favorite... We, we all remember at least two teachers from when mm-hmm. we were little. Right. The mean one. <laughs> right? And the, hap, like the fun teacher. And I would venture to guess that in all of our lives, it is the fun teacher that we learn more from. And that, that is true in children's ministries as well. It's caught better than taught. But that doesn't necessarily mean you have to be captain personality. No. So do you remember uh, Brother Dabs? Oh, yeah. So he, was, he had a mouth... I don't know how far this recording is going to go. <laughs> I'm just glad the stool is spring-loaded and just launch it. So they got to use you, But, like, the personality of, of, a, of a carrot. <laughs> and, uh... <laughs> the sixth-grade boy loved him! <laughs> He loved them. them, That's right. And I would just go walk, and I would just watch through the window in his class. And he was just—he was just very metered and and level in his speech. But those boys were just dialed in to Brother Dabs. So, you know, I think I think key ingredient that kids pick up on, like they have the radar. Like, does this person want to be with me? Does this person want to be here? Right. Glad we get all these stories from Bob, too. I'm also thankful your stool is spring-loaded. I feel like it just kind of launches your back up. <laughs> I needed it. <laughs> On to the next one. This person has a good question, I think. They eventually got to the core of their question. So the last question is the one you want to answer. Are there any sacred cows within the children's ministries that a children's worker should be aware of? Are there any hidden issues that tend to resurface more frequently become a barrier to the success of a church of mm. church yeah. Yeah. of a church's children's ministry? Basically, what are the main problems you find that are often faced in children's ministries? Okay, so the first thing that comes to my mind is just children's workers feeling like they're on an island. 
and the idea of, okay, if the kids didn't die this week, good deal, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and, and one of the things that I think you, you're constantly having to uh, think about is just the edification of the children's ministry workers, that you're part of a team that has a united goal. You're having these meetings uh, a few times a year where you, like this, where you, like this is good. Like you're, by God's grace, you're going to go away from this energized. And, and because you have deeper roots into the whys of what you do, of why you do what you do. So I think that is one of the critical things of a church, especially this size, is you've got to be thinking about just connecting with the people that are in the Sunday school rooms and, and ministering to the kiddos. And just, you're not, we don't want you to die on the vine. Like, we're for you. And how can we serve you? How can we help you? Are you growing? Are you growing? Because we don't want you to just, you know, the, the church is designed to disciple and to grow believers. And part of that happens through opening up doors of opportunity but you just don't close the door once you shove them in there, you know? Um, and practically that's what happens so often. So I think being concerned and then doing things to ensure that we're pouring back into the people that are pouring out to our children is a big deal. Well, and to use the word burnout for that reason. You know, you, you get a mission. How often have you hear, seen like a teacher gets plugged in, like you talked about the Mrs. Whomever that is now done in second grade and now uh, the boys did her over, right? Yeah. I mean, that, that happens. So, like you plug them in and then they, they are that Sunday school teacher for here until they die or they burn out. That's pretty much the attitude. Mm-hmm. And there's no rotation there. There's no training for future, future teachers in that room. It's just you're the teacher in that room and you are the teacher in that room every week for the rest of the year and for every year until you tell us you can't do it anymore. And what you're doing is, well, number one, you're hurting that person's ministry because the one part of that person's ministry ought to be discipling someone else who can also do it. So if you're not encouraging that teacher to say, now, who else can teach? I've really valued of late. I've seen it observed. And I like, I don't, you know, probably Bob would say the same thing. I don't have original ideas. I, my creativity is just stealing my, and hiding my sources, right? That, that's how I got. But my dad's church for the last several years, their children's pastor has get, taken it upon himself to say all Sunday school teachers have the summer off for children. And they're, they're not allowed to teach that class during the summer. And then they have a whole new group of teachers that come in and teach that class during the summer. I, that is one way. I mean, that's not the only way, but that is one way to say, you know, we're training up people and we don't celebrate. You've taught that class for 50 years, but we're really concerned if something happened to you because after those 50 years, we got no replacement and oh no. Yeah. I mean, that that's often happens in children's ministries. And that's the other part. Not only is it burnout, but children's ministries become personality driven for that reason. It's like, well, as long as I have this teacher in the class... I'm good. And then that, that teacher, you know, becomes an island to her, him or herself and doesn't really have any idea of what's going on in the classes below or ahead. Amen. So they're not, you know, they, let's say you teach third grade. Well, if you're teaching third grade, I hope you know what's being taught in second grade because you're going to get those second graders here in a year. And I hope you know what's going to be taught in fourth grade because you're going to be training them to go into the fourth grade class. So... One other thought before we move on, and that is, I think that the children's ministry gives you an awesome bridge back to the parents. Mm-hmm. Whenever those kids do something good, man, make a beeline for mom and dad right after the service. And just let them know. You're just so thankful. You've seen some growth. You're making deposits. There's a little boy who's just had a pretty rough streak in our ministry at my church. And the other week, I said, what's, a, what's another name for the Torah? And he goes, Pentateuch? And I'm like, I was blown away that that came from him. And I, after church, I went to his mom, and I just said, Mom, your boy answered one of the hardest questions today. And uh, she started crying. Started crying. So I think those kind of relationships just go so far within the body. Because you get moms and dads on your side. You get moms and dads on your team. 
And then you can plow a little bit deeper, I think. Well, and to jump off that, just as an aside application, be careful how you correct the child uh, when you go tell that to the parent. Right? You've had the child for an hour or whatever in that group, and let's say they misbehaved. And so they come pick up the child, and you go give the whole story within earshot of all the other parents. Right? Mm-hmm. And how often have we, I've seen that happen many, many times. And now that happens two weeks in a row, three weeks in a row. And it, you have to communicate that with mom and dad, but there are ways to build bridges that don't push mom and dad away. And, uh, you know, that, can, that will and can and will happen, that you have to have some kind of correction. But be careful how that's communicated. Sometimes if you can praise after there's been some negative, that can go a long way. Yeah, and remember, folks, we are not, we're not politicians. Mm-hmm. We don't have to cover up all of our imperfections. So I just being very candid here. Um, sometimes, God, sometimes God uses your, your mistakes. So I'm just going to be very candid here. There's a sweet boy, eighth grader, um, that I've been ministering to at our church. And he's had some, he's had some tough, tough struggles at home, and his parents shared with me something in private that they had withheld from him. Um, and I was in team group uh, doing a guest uh, guest sermon there that one night, and he was just being a bad boy. He was just being wicky wicky bad dad. And I got I got in a flash, and I said, "It's no wonder your parents did it, did it, did it." Don't judge me, okay? <laughs> I feel it. I feel it. I feel it. Um, I've repented. <laughs> and I made a beeline right after that was over. And I, and I, I got with him. And I said, I sinned against you. I said, I was wrong to do that. And then I sat down with him and his parents. And I said, here's what just happened. And, uh, you know, God used that, actually. God used that. Because they, they saw, okay, Big Bob. Big Bob of us. <laughs> he sends two. <laughs> cool. <laughs> you know. And that, that's, isn't that awesome in the Bible? You look at, you look at sinners, and they're like, oh, awesome. There's hope. You connect with Peter. Connect with those guys. And um, so don't be afraid, I, I think. You just, you be you. And when you mess up, I think you just humble yourself and let the chips fall where they're going to fall. For time's sake, oh. I'm going to have us answer this question. Okay. But the material, uh, there are a couple of questions about the preschool class material. Pastor Caleb and I will make sure that we communicate very clearly to all those teachers mm-hmm. that there is material provided to help you with lesson time. Yep. So Pastor Caleb and I will communicate to the preschool teachers. I'll just speak to that how we got it. Because I did the question, there were two, three questions related to the preschool material for Kids for Truth. And, they, and their understanding of those questions is that all they had was the main book that was given to them. They weren't given a thing. Unfortunately, that is all you were given, but there is more. Um, how many work in Kids for Truth? All right. If you do not know about Equip You and you are not logged in with an access right now, you need that before you start the new year. That has all the resources available to you. But I took the questions that were submitted related to the preschool material and I sent them to Marina um, who is, do you want to tell who Marina is? <laughs> uh, Marina is like Miss Kids for Truth yeah. at RBP. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so she she helps hold the hands. I think she was with you guys two years ago. Yes. Yeah, but I saw the questions. I was like, there's no way Kids for Truth National doesn't have a preschool book. So I sent it to her and said, here's the questions we're getting. And she said, do you have access up to, and she named the book, and Jordan has it now. And I brought Jordan in, and Jordan said, no, we don't have that book right now. So you will this year. Unfortunately, that must have been an oversight. But preschool workers, please do not rewrite your own material. Uh, There is a reason Kids for Truth has been chosen. It's been chosen because it graduates from the young grades all the way up. If you're doing your own thing, you're not helping the next grade, speaking of scope and sequence. So please do not rewrite your own material. Please stay within the scope and sequence. And there is a preschool level available to you. Yes. Yes. I don't want to get in trouble here. (laughs) Uh, But I would say... If, if you're using those lesson plans and trying to get fit everything into a preschool lesson, you, you have complete permission, I think, to not yeah. do that. To just use it as a guide 
you know, highlight the bold things, maybe attach a personal story or illustration that's going to be on their level. But, you know, it's not, it's a guide. It's, 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 the, it's, it's the spirit of the guide, not the letter of the guide, especially with preschoolers. And again, just to, I, I, some of you probably, even if you're not in Kids for Truth, we'll send you out a link to it. That Equip You site is accessed. Marina yeah. kind of runs it. All of those, how many churches are involved in Kids for Truth again now? Well, uh, yeah. They all kind of can submit materials that have been helped to them into that database. So all of the lessons, there's PowerPoints already done for all the lessons. There's crafts that have already been completed for all those lessons. There's fun activities that they do in their Kids for Truths that might work for you. It is an incredible wealth of resources. And then for parents, there's devotionals that come out. You can get the podcasts that come out every day during the week that prepare you ahead of time for Wednesday night. So if parents aren't accessing that, you should as well. It'll be preparing it. You can listen to it in the car. Uh, you can listen to it for your evening devotions or morning devotions. It is more than you will ever be able to get to the bottom of as far as resources. So if you feel like you're out on an island and I don't know what I'm supposed to teach, and I, don't, I, you know, I, I feel like I'm rewriting everything every time, well, then you're just not accessing the database that is available to you. So all of our Kids for Truth workers, please, 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 Get yourself logged into equipu.com, which I think it's .com or whatever. We'll send out the link. I'll put it in my newsletter. You, you, you have a treasure trove there at your fingertips. And it's actually, I bring it up to this room because it's actually more than you can imagine. And it's not just Kids for Truth. Like, it's just tons of children's resources. So you want that. You really want that. Jordan. All right, we have seven minutes and seven yeah. questions. Okay. Less than a minute for I'm just going to ask one. There's a question about parent involvement, and I'm just going to ask the, the simplest question that was submitted. What is the clearest and best way to get parents involved in our children's ministries? Oh, I think I mean I, I go back to this. I was always bugging you. <laughs> I said it's got to come from the top down. The the pastors talking. You just did it Tuesday. You just did it Tuesday, Pastor Caleb. Just did it. Okay, but I would. I, you know, pastors are busy, and what I would do is I would give him three to five talking points, and I'd say, Pastor, can you say this? Um, because they, the, 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 you know, the children's workers need to know that they are part of the body, and you get what you honor. So I want to honor the children's workers by letting them know from the top down, in the main congregational service, how important their role is and how on board pastor is with the philosophy. Um, I think that is like the biggest no-brainer uh, as far as getting parents on board. Just, just to have the senior pastor saying the same stuff. Yeah, I mean, and, and to be clear on what, like you'll, you'll notice, uh, if you haven't already, we will certainly notice it on Sunday we as, uh, you know, myself kind of taking a lead on this, but just saying, okay, now when we do announcements, and I do think announcements are important. I, I give account, by the way, as your pastor, for what's said behind the pulpit. I will give an account before the Lord for what's said behind the pulpit mm. Sunday by Sunday. Mm. That includes, in my view, announcements. Until last week, I wasn't involved in announcements. Now I am. I've inserted myself to the forefront. And the reason for that is I want to make sure that what is being communicated is pertinent to the life of this body. Mm. There are a lot of things that can be said that are announcements, but aren't necessarily going to help you or your family grow. Um, they're just good. That can be put in the bulletin. That can be put in the growth group memo. But there are other things that are pertinent, and that may be events. That may be things that are happening, but they're pertinent to the life of the body. And everything that's announced moving forward, I wrote. Because mm. um, I think I, I will give an account. There are things I can delegate out. I can give, delegate that out, and I will. There are other things I feel like I shouldn't delegate out. And those things that I will give a direct account before the Lord for, I don't think I should be delegating out. And I would add announcements to one of those things. And so you'll find yourself uh, hearing more children's ministries announcements at times. And that's because, well, I wrote it. So yeah. I can tell you what's announced on Sunday, but you have to come back on Sunday. But I do know one of them is the children's choir. I, I put that one on there. I think there's a few others. But... Uh, th those, those things are really pertinent and important, but it's part of the life of this body. As far as I'm concerned, I just want to let you know, I want to make me very clear about this. This is the best church in town 
And this is the best children's ministry in America. Mm. So as far as I'm concerned, that's true. And if you don't agree, then come help us be that. Right? So that, that, that's what we want to do. So we want to be excited about it. Yeah. All right, what are some elements of children's ministries you feel we're currently doing well, and what are some elements you see opportunity for growth and improvement? Bob, you want to take this? You guys are the best children's ministry in America! Or so I've been told. I'm actually appreciative of Kids for Truth. I, I... I, it's interesting, and Jordan, you might want to chime in on this, because um, in Indianapolis, I was a youth pastor, and while I was a youth pastor, they had no midweek program for kids. So I had a youth group that was, I think we had about 70 at the time, and I was looking down the hall, and I was thinking, there's nothing really for kids. My youth group, who's about 70, is about to go down substantially over the years if we don't do something for those children. So I went to our pastor, Pastor Arrowwood, and said, would you be okay with me researching children's programs and us starting a midweek program? And he said, I've been waiting for the day that you would come into my office and ask that question. <laughs> and uh, he said, that was on my docket for, to ask you to do next year, but you jumped the gun. Go ahead. So what I did is I researched every midweek program that's out there. And I, Jordan, I bring him in because he has my paper on it. I, it was like a 40-page paper. It wasn't that long. There's a long paper on it, and I think I researched, do you remember? I was 12, whatever. Many. Many, as many as I could find. Deep research, four yeah. or five. Yeah, so I, I researched several, a lot of them, you know, threw away almost from the beginning, and then I did a more substantial research on Master Clubs, Awana, Kids for Truth, and Truth Trackers. The others, uh, even ones that we're using here, like um, Patch Club, I helped write some of the Patch Club materials. I'm not a big fan of Patch Club. It was written as a choir book. It's not very good as far as materials, and I've told Majesty Music that. They know that. I wouldn't encourage our continued use of it. Sorry, uh, those that are using it. But um, I did a deep research on Awana, Kids for Truth, Master Club, and Truth Trackers, and uh, we came to the conclusion in Indianapolis that we were going to use Kids for Truth And after that full study. And the reason we did that is because we felt like it was the best at building bridges to families and it was the best at helping us having a central hub from which all the other children's ministries can be the spokes. So you have a doctrinal hub in the midweek and then all the other children's ministries can be the spokes off of that main hub. And we felt like that was a really good ministry tool. Then I became a pastor in Florida and they didn't have kids for truth. They used Awana. Now, I know this is being recorded, but I've sent a letter to Awana about this so they know. Um, as far as I'm concerned, the only value to Awana is the name, because everybody knows it, and their award system. Our church in, in, in Florida wrote everything else. So nothing else about Awana you would recognize other than the uniforms and the awards for our church in Awana. It just didn't really have a much value to everything else. You say, what did we use for the meat? We did, <laughs> I don't know if RBP feels about this. We did Kids for Truth material with the Awana name. <laughs> now, the <laughs> sorry, Bob. Now, the reason we did that is I inherited a church with Awana, and it was known in the community, and we yeah. had a lot of unsaved people coming. In fact, our Wednesday nights in Florida were bigger than our Sunday mornings. Wow. So we had, we had about 350 coming to Sunday morning, so you can add that up on Wednesday night. And we had way more coming on Wednesday night, and that was our evangelistic thing. We, we, I preached to adult groups. Every time I preached to an adult group on Wednesday, I knew about 25 to 30% of that audience was unsaved, unchurched. So just so you know, it's different than our ministry. I think I left behind um, you know, Camelot there for a moment. I don't know if I'll ever have a church like that again. I'd love to. I know a lot of churches do prayer meetings on Wednesday nights. We didn't because we had a lot of unsaved people. I mean, they, they weren't even saved. We just need to give them the gospel. We moved our mm -hmm. prayer times to 5 o'clock on Sunday before the evening service. Mm -hmm. And we kept the Awana name because it was known yeah. and respected sure. by unsaved, unchurched people. Yeah. As far as the material itself, we were pretty much just Amen. using kids for truth. Um, so... Anyways, the, the, the long story is, what is the strength? I still believe the same, because I've used it now in three ministries. It's the Kids for Truth program. It gives us a hub on which we can hang spokes for all the other ministries. As far as the other ministries are concerned, um, 
right now it's a little bit the book of Judges. You know, it just kind of depends. Um, every class kind of does that, which is right in their own eyes. Which is okay in some sense. Some of them are really good. I'm sure everybody, I'm confident everybody that's doing what they are, are doing it as best they can to the glory of God. I'd say that our weakness is kind of pulled off of our strength. Our strength, yeah, we have a hub. Our weakness is I'm not entirely sure that the growth group teachers really know what's being taught at Kids for Truth. I think that's a pretty big weakness. I'm not entirely sure that all our children's church workers know that's what's being taught in the growth group. And I'd say that's actually a pretty big weakness because we actually all are working on the same team. So if you're part of the children's ministry, you should know everything that's being taught by everybody else, and we should have meetings such as this one to get all on the same, on the same page. So that's a, but that, as I say a weakness, I want you to be encouraged by that. That's an easy weakness to fix, is it not? Yes. Like, it just talk. Right? Just communicate with one another, and we can get on the same page and move forward and be excited about it. And I, I'm excited about the possibility, because that's, as far as weaknesses are concerned, I, there's worse. Yeah, <laughs> So sure. that, that's a good, good thing. I mean, I mean, folks, just uh, from an outsider perspective, to have this treasure trove of people with a heart for children in one place come out on Saturday and now give three and... Hours and two minutes. <laughs> I mean, that's a gift. Yeah. It's a gift of grace. You're a, you're a gift to the body, and there's a lot of traction that could be made here. Mm-hmm. I think that most of our questions have been answered in some way or other. People asking, "What does the future of our children's ministry look like?" And I think Pastor Caleb did give us some vision on even just mm-hmm. the organization yeah. of it and clear communication. Uh, the final question is probably going to be a question that Matt Moser or Eleanor Moser would be able to answer. What is this, where is the store going to be this year for Kids for Truth? And is there going to be two shifts for the store this year? <laughs> Matt. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Matt's our director of Kids for Truth, Bob. Just say that. There you go. Should, does he get a quiet seat prize? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> We don't want to pull from any of the activities that we're doing with the children. It'll be open before Kids for Truth from 6.45 to 7, and then afterwards from 8.15 to 8.30. And it's going to be set up in room 101 right over here. Okay, so it's going to be in the bridge. The kids are coming into the gym for the beginning. It's going to be right there, so they don't have to go to a separate wing or anything else like that. Thank you. That Round of applause to yeah. Matt again. That was excellent. <laughs> I'm going to let Bob. Do you have any closing remarks? I'm, no, I'm great. I mean, uh, I would say here's some awesome homework uh, for you to go into Sunday with. Why don't you go home and read Luke 24 and think of it in terms of Jesus, the resurrected Christ, gives one final Bible lesson. To his disciples, what was that lesson all about? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe think about if you have one lesson to give to those kids that you see on Sunday, what would that be all about? So. And the other thing I want us to, to you know, punch down on is Wednesday night is and can become that energetic hub for our children's ministries. But it's going to have to involve our adults as well. Um, on, on the way out, on that tall table over there, you'll see a stack. There, thank you, Eleanor's kind of, you can be Vanna White for us and showcase our uh, thing for uh, But right there is there's a, you can register for your kids, but there is also a stack of magnets that say the theme nights for Kids for Truth during here. Adults, you're welcome to grab one as well. In fact, if you really wanted to dress up, you know what? You can do that. We'll let you do that. But Wednesday night is really fun. And I want, if you don't have kids and Kids for Truth, I guarantee you have a neighbor who has kids that could otherwise be Kids in Truth. Grab some of those magnets and some of the the themes that they'll be going through and invite people to come. There's also going to be, first Wednesday every month, there's going to be a meal, a low-cost meal. People can come right from work. Come right here on Wednesday night. They can eat the meal. You know, you can just say, Mom can just take kids right here. Dad, come right from work. You know, right in your work clothes. We don't care. And uh, just come eat your food and come join us. And then we'll be joining us in the adult study. We'll do kind of an inductive 
thing that I've been looking forward to and really excited to do, uh, kind of showing you how to read the Bible for yourself and uh, journaling through James is what we're going to call it the first time. We'll go through other books as well, but we'll go through James first. So there's a lot going on, and I didn't even mention youth group. So like you got teens, there's a lot of exciting things for teens. One minor change for the teen group uh, before, I'll go ahead and mention, a lot of times we'd have the teens be in Kids for Truth the entire time. Well, we do want to use the teens for Kids for Truth. They will be there in the opening time. Then they'll go up and join the youth group. And the reason for that is I can't ask Jordan to build his youth group while simultaneously taking away some of his key leaders for the entire Wednesday night. Uh, so we want to be able to give them an opportunity to serve. But I'll tell you, it is harder to serve your peers, is it not? than people younger than you. And so those leaders need to learn also to serve their peers in the youth group. So we're excited about what's going on in there. You might as well call, and it will be referred to this, Wednesday night, our family night at church. Because we will have something for every age group. And if you're missing Wednesday night, you're missing something huge. And as far as my prayer request is concerned, and I don't mind you pray it with me, there is no reason at all why we shouldn't have the same number of people on Wednesday night as we have on Sunday morning. There is, there is no reason. And you say, yeah, well, you had that at your old church, so that's what you expected. When I came to our church in Florida, my first Wednesday night, I spoke to 12 adults. And then we had a group of about a dozen for our Awana program. That's it. So it can happen, and it should happen, and I'll tell you why it should happen. Because God wants it to happen. We, we, we have, I mean, think about it, guys. What is more important? Do you have anything more important to do than learn about God and worship with brothers and sisters in Christ? No. Nope. I don't have anything more important. Nah. So we're, I, I think come on Wednesday night and come on Sunday morning and tell people, hey, if you're missing this, you're missing a great deal. And it's not that we come to people, by the way, on Sunday, that only go on Sunday morning and say, man, I wish you would just be more than a Sunday morning only church member. You could say it that way, or you could say, you know what you're missing when you only come to church once a week? Mm-hmm. Let me tell you, it is exciting. We learn about God. Your kids will learn about God. Your teens will learn about God. Join us. So my mission to you is join us. And I know I'm preaching to the choir because I probably the crowd that comes on Saturday will come on Wednesday. So <laughs> go tell the other people that aren't here that we have something worth going to. And I'm excited about what doing. Jordan, you want to close us in prayer? I will. God, thank you for.